0: And now God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. Well, nothing has prepared me for this season of parenthood. (laughs) Now I know many of you all were there when me and my recently pregnant wife, Kristen, arrived in Liberty, Missouri in late August of 2019, fresh off of a 10 hour drive. And our student pastor, Charles, and a group of students met us with our moving van and helped us move all of our items into that little red house right across the street from the church, that little place that we would soon call home. And you were there, although virtually, when our son Langston was born in late March of 2020, right as the pandemic started. A pandemic baby, they called him, and others who were born around the same time. And he spent much of these pandemic years as a helpless, dependent child who laid contently in our arms and stared back into our eyes with not a care in the world. And sometimes I wonder, where is this child I remember? (laughs) As the days and months and years have gone by our little dependent child has become a toddler who is increasingly independent impulsive and self-motivated and he will take apart your house and home in the blink of an eye i am now a master at moving things to keep them out of his reach breakables Heirlooms. Fire. (laughs) I work really hard to keep important things out of reach of Langston's tiny, sticky little fingers. Matter of fact, I'm so good and so conditioned at it that once when we were at a friend's house just this past week, I found myself moving items off of their table (laughs) (laughs) to keep them out of reach. You know, we bought Langston a stool a few months back and we keep it in the bathroom and we have it there for one purpose, for him to step on so that he can brush his teeth at the sink. Well, just this last week, I saw Langston standing in front of the mantle in our fireplace. We had a few candles lit and he was looking and he was reaching for a candle, and then he just stopped for a moment, and then he calmly walked away. So now I'm intrigued. Then all of a sudden he goes into the bathroom, (laughs) grabs his stool in hand, walks back to the fireplace, sets his stool up, and steps on it reaching for the candle. You got a tablet at home? Put it on the top shelf of your bookcase. Those fresh, permanent markers and Sharpies? Take them to the basement, lock them in a drawer. And that glass of water? Do everything you can to push it to the center of the table, just out of reach. And sometimes I am so concerned that he might break the jar that I forget that one of his most basic needs is the water that the jar holds. It is often said in Christian circles and books and churches that our number one priority is to preach and teach the gospel. That it is our responsibility to preach salvation, eternal salvation to all. After all, it is God wanting to save our souls. And this is true. Our eternal salvation can be found in the good news of Jesus, for he is the embodiment of the message he preached, and to know Jesus is to know the good news of God. And as we consider the text that we have read this morning, we should also consider the present ramifications of the gospel. You see, Luke records the good news not in highly spiritual terms, blessed are the poor in spirit, as Matthew does, but in concrete terms, blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of God. We read that God is both excited about the salvation of us in terms of eternal salvation, and also our own physical needs. And just like Langston, who reached out for the glass in order to drink water, one of his most basic needs, so are we able to reach out for the gospel, the good news for our spiritual needs, and for our most basic needs. Like food that satisfies the hungry stomach, so the gospel is good news for the spiritually hungry and also for the ones who are just plain hungry. In our gospel passage this morning, we see Jesus bringing a holistic gospel to people who were hungry and poor and hurting. And he places himself within their reach. We read that Jesus prayed all night on a mountaintop and afterwards he came down from a high place to a level place where crowds gather to hear him and to be healed by him. And I love this imagery of Jesus leaving the highs associated with prayer and spiritual exaltation to descend to a level plane where ordinary people from nearby and afar could come within feet of him to be healed. The level place becomes the backdrop of his preaching moment, It serves as a visual representation of the good news. Just as months ago we have considered Advent and Christmas, where God comes from heaven to earth in human form, puts on flesh and bone to be within arm's grasp of humanity, Like so, Jesus chose to leave the exalted place of the mountain to preach in a level place, so all who sought to hear him would have access to him. Jesus places himself and the gospel message within reach of all who sought after him. And as they reached out with their hands to touch him, they were healed. You see, the gospel levels the field. It does not ask us to ascend the unscalable mountain of the law or perfection or self-righteousness. No, the gospel asks us to respond to a God who descends into the hurt and the pain and the suffering of human existence and beckons us to draw close to him. The gospel message does for you and for me what Jesus' sermon does in Luke chapter 6. It reveals the proximity of the kingdom of God and places the message and person of Jesus within our reach. Luke records Jesus' blessings and woes. We, We call those the Beatitudes. And Luke highlights the economic factors that kept people at the fringes of society. The poor, the hungry, the weeping. He names these specifically, declaring them blessed, while the rich and the full and lighthearted, who were often at the center of society, would have been considered blessed according to their standards, received woes. Blessed are you, he says, looking into the eyes of his disciples. Not blessed are they, as Matthew's account records, but Luke records blessings in second person. The emphasis is pointed, it's personal. Blessed are you. Theirs is the kingdom of God. You who are lacking, you are blessed. You who are hungry, you are blessed. You who weep, you are blessed. You who are ridiculed because you believe and act upon the kingdom pronouncement of Jesus, yes, you. You are blessed. And this comforts us, and it also challenges us. Because the same kingdom announcement that brings the blessings within reach of us is the same announcement that brings blessings within reach of those whose society suggests least deserve it. For us to receive these words of Jesus unto ourselves is for us to receive them for those whom we have targeted as not worthy of receiving them. You see, tonight, football fans all over this state and nation and and even the world, will gather around television sets with families and friends in order to watch the Super Bowl. I know it's a sore subject. And one of the interesting uh, parts about the game is that the quarterback has a football, and the number one goal of that quarterback is to get that football into the hands of someone on the team who can get the ball into the end zone. The quarterback can hand the ball off. But some of the most exciting plays in football is when the quarterback throws the ball for great distances where his receiver is ready to catch that ball and run with it into the end zone. But that receiver is not by himself because there is also a defender, an opponent on the other team, And that defender is wanting to prevent the receiver from catching the ball. And if things go well, that defender will want to and oftentimes will try to catch the ball himself so that he can run it to his end zone and score a touchdown for his team. And so when that receiver is in a position where the quarterback knows that he cannot catch the ball, sometimes the quarterback, against the rules, would take the football and throw it away. And we call that intentional grounding. Because the quarterback would rather suffer a penalty and throw the ball away than to allow an opportunity for the opponent to catch the ball. And sometimes I believe that we can treat the gospel like intentional grounding. We would rather intentionally ground the grace and mercy and hope found in the gospel message than to see it within reach of those who we think are different than us, who have different lived experiences than us, We like to set the good news within reach of our own tribes and our own silos while insisting that the gospel belongs on the top shelf or in the drawer or out of view and out of reach of people we call the other. But I am so glad that the kingdom of God is not like how we do. But I'm glad that Jesus initiates in the gospel, a good news that is in, within reach, an opportunity for all. It is the same grace that Jesus offers to you, that he offers to all. It is the same mercy that he offers to you, that he offers to all. And when we intentionally ground the gospel to prevent the good news on account of our own preferences and prejudices, we prevent ourselves from being active agents in the work and reach of the gospel. And so when we love our friends but neglect our neighbors, we set the gospel out of reach. When we obsess over spirituality, but ignore the physical needs of people right in our vicinity. We set the gospel out of reach. When we weaponize scripture to bring death and harm rather than wholeness and life, we place the gospel out of reach. And when we embrace grace and forgiveness, but abhor justice and mercy, we place the gospel out of reach. The blessings and woes serve as a reminder of our constant pushing against the tide of the gospel, which is bringing everything within reach. We are to embrace it for ourselves and also for others. Just a few weeks ago, I had an opportunity to attend a pastor's conference. The organizer of the event was my good friend, Matt Holmeyer. And Matt was there at the conference. And that was a surprise. No one expected him to be there. The reason why was because just a month prior, Matt and his family was at Cook's Children's Hospital where his daughter Addison had suffered a horrific horse riding accident. And Matt was there for those many weeks and continues to be there because the doctors were waiting for the swelling in her brain to go down so that they could replace the piece of skull that they had previously removed. Matt came and he did stay for the duration of the conference. And he stood up and he shared with us how the chaplain in that hospital came and knocked on the door and it was the first time that he had met the chaplain and the chaplain came in. And as soon as the chaplain came in, Matt said, he turned it on. You know, he turned his pastor on. Hey, chaplain, how you doing? Oh, so good for you to come by and see us. You know what? You've been and probably checked on everybody in this hospital. This is such a good work that you do. Yeah. Where did you get your CPE credits from? Oh, yeah. What seminary was that? Oh, I've got two good friends that went to that matter of fact, one of them serving in Houston. Right. We should all get connected. You know, We, we, we it would be good for us to meet. And he said the chaplain looked at him, placed his hand on Matt's chest and said, Matt, stop. Stop it, Matt. And let me pray for you. Matt goes quiet. The room goes quiet. and That chaplain extends his hand, places it on Matt's shoulder, and prayed for him. Matt said when that hand touched his shoulder, he lost it. Tears started flowing down, his body shaking uncontrollably. He was barely holding it together. And at that moment, he couldn't do anything. Couldn't talk his way out of it. Couldn't walk out of the vulnerability that he was experiencing in that moment. He couldn't do anything but receive that prayer. He received the prayer. He received his own limitations. He received the grace of God's comfort in that moment. And for Matt, the chaplain reached out in order to impart some degree of grace upon him. That's another picture of the gospel, isn't it? Not just of a God who places the gospel within our reach, but of a God whose gospel reaches out to us. And that's especially true. That the good news that we long for and that we reach for is actually always, always, always reaching out to us.